0: Cross-politic begins in three, two, one. I have a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs>
1: is not
0: true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political
2: system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is King of Kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his
0: worship. You are not. Protecting women, you are
1: authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. Oh, but that's, I didn't uh, start it. Uh, but, uh, sir, sir, with all due respect, that's
3: the
0: argument of a five year old. I didn't
3: start it. Right, when the spirit comes upon people, they go to war, they go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back and they're slaughtered.
0: You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Rensch, the water boy. Pastor Toby Sumter and the Chocolate Knox.
2: Welcome, y'all, to Cross Politic. Hey. Thank you for joining us, Chalk Knox. You see that down there? Pastor Toby Sumter. What's up, man? In the house.
3: Hey. I'm so happy to see ha- you. Happy uh, St. Paddy's Day. Hey, yeah.
2: yeah, and we're coming at you from northern Idaho in the middle of the millennium. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> go ahead since you teased it who do we have coming on the show jesus
2: is king of kings and our guest coming on the show here in the next segment actually the next two segments is uh gary DeMar so uh, uncle
4: gary stick around
2: for that godfather I'm so, I'm gary so, yeah godfather, godfather, gary. godfather gary godfather gary watch yeah. out uh,
4: i was scared of him I so i started working in american vision uh and uncle gary scared me because he just looks at you sometimes he doesn't say anything and you're thinking you're telling a joke you're telling a good story he'll look at you like huh and he walked okay. away, and I was like, and That's it. I was like, He doesn't like me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I went to Joel McDermott and was like, I don't, does he like people? <laughs> you know? He's <laughs> like, Oh, no, Gary's great, man. He loves you. He's awesome. You know? He wouldn't. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I go back, and then Cy comes to town because we're shooting How to Answer the Fool. Kay. And he's like, shaking hands with Cy. Oh, man, love your apologetics. I'm like, Who is this guy? Who's Gary? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, so after a while working with him, coming to his room, and he's lifting weights. He has a full weight set up there uncle gary's a beast man wow. his athlete, in his office man in his wow. office i feel like <laughs> such a sissy <laughs> dude, I know. dude he's
3: he's he's a beast oh he's a beast gracious.
2: that should be part of your pastoral training Seriously, so yeah it's weight bench yeah.
3: in every every pastor's study this is
2: this is what it's like to be sancti- sanctification <laughs> right, you're right. lifting weight <laughs> you're fighting temptation <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. he has a picture if you search the internet for um gary demar there's an old kind of black and white picture with him with an afro
2: I love that
5: picture. Uncle
4: Gary is super tan. Uh He's Italian, so he's Uh going to get it. Super Uh tan with an afro, but you would have thought he was a brother. Yep. Uh And so I was like.
2: Wasn't he mistaken when he was wearing that
4: afro? I didn't even know it was him. So I was like, hey, man, this dude kind of looks like you. Whose son is this? That's
3: hilarious.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you, you know. I just want to know what happened.
3: Bro- that- <laughs> you tell me about that brother. You
4: want to tell me about him? He's like, oh, that's me. Like, Whoa, oh, Uncle Gary, what's and, up, Uncle? Huh? Did, did, did you give him some love? Like, you know that, what? Like- I went to shake his hand, and he gave me the whole full brother handshake, and I was kind of confused. <laughs> I was looking like, where did you? Okay, uh, nah, you stop right now. Where'd you learn that from? <laughs> you tell me right Who taught now. Taught you that? You- where did you get this? He's like, oh man, you know, I'm an athlete. We all hung together, did the thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <This> <laughs> it's the, Cuba, thing, the thing, the thing, ha- the it, thing. <laughs> it's, it's groovy, baby. You know. And I was like, mm. oh, man. So we got real close. I love Uncle Gary. That's oh, so, yeah, he's coming on. Huge blessing for my What are you drinking in that change. bottle, man? Who, what, who, what? What are you drinking in that bottle? Well, just water. You're supposed, you supposed to have a paper bag around that? I'm testing some cross-politic water. Ooh. We get a label. <laughs> yeah, we get a, gonna, a cross-politic water. That's label. a huge bottle. Branded. Speaking
2: of which, we need to direct you guys to our store. We got some merch up at our store. We got some we also, stuff. We're, well, we're working on it. Amazon merch finally opened up to us. Yes. So we're getting some Amazon merch up. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, on Amazon. Rock no. your cross-politics yep. shirts. Yep. So your gonna your cross So we're going to
3: be on Amazon heads. here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 got, we got Jake in here. Jake. A rock, studio he's, engineer. He's rocking the, the cross-politics. Green. Okay. Green. The for Catholic San, green. For St. Patrick's Day. And I got Day.
2: Protestant orange on. <laughs> uh, Catholic uh, green?
3: Really? Yes. <laughs> hey, man, don't ever let a Catholic sit
4: behind you, dude. Never. Did that. <laughs> Not if you're a Protestant. They've been known to take us out a few times. Yep, yep. Just saying. It's Mardi Gras. <laughs> it's, it's always Mardi Gras when you sit behind.
2: Yeah. All right. Let me let me uh, get to some news uh, for uh, this week. I mean, I man, it's just there's just so much going on. Can I just say something? I can't, we can't do the show enough. We need to be doing the show almost, almost every, day, every day. I think. Yeah. And
4: I'm gonna tell you why. So I have the uh, the news alerts that happens on my phone. I'm trying to stay mm-hmm. current now. Wow. And um and you know it's, I think it's, it's better not to. I, it, I agree with you, and, and here's <laughs> why: because it's blowing up my data plan. Right. And oh, really? Because this whatever Trump is doing is causing the news and the media to freak out. Wow. Almost every 15 minutes, I'm getting an update from the White House. Update from the White House. An update about Trump. An update about
5: yeah, yeah. A, it's uh-huh.
4: always something coming from the White, and it doesn't yeah. stop. It's almost every 15 minutes, and I'm yeah. like, what is he doing over there? Yeah. I mean, he's just completely throwing a grenade and to, um and i kind of like it into everybody's plans you know yeah. oh yeah and I, I just i just think he needs to upset conservatives a little more uh, along with the liberals so everybody's kind of upset together but well, right now you know.
2: and, and before we get to trump so we're going to get to some trump news here real quick yeah, but yeah. but first on my list is this is actually the best sporting month of the Whatever.
3: year yes i'm gonna tell this march madness <laughs> got, march madness i got hey, some I, spam I, I got some <laughs> spam email from gabriel yesterday
4: yeah you did <laughs> Yeah, I got that, too. <laughs> Did you get
3: that, too? Were you on that list? I'm no, not it, picking brackets.
4: Hey, man, I yeah, right. My
2: bracket is perfect, except for one loss today. I only
4: have time to pray. I ain't got time for no man, brackets.
2: you
4: guys. Yeah. yeah, we're Christians up in Anyways. here, Gabriel. All
2: right, best sporting month of the year, and hey, I get no love from my, for my, just my so, peeps. No.
4: Just so everybody knows, Shoot. Gabe is watching March Madness while we're doing the podcast.
2: It's on my iPad He's right now. It? Right now, I'm watching <laughs> in, in Rhode Island. I,
3: I totally felt like you were you were two-timing us. Like, <laughs> like, you weren't really concentrating. Like, I keep saying stuff, and you just like, uh-huh. Because yeah, I, uh-huh.
2: I knew what Gary was gonna say, I knew where he was gonna go. So I just had, I just He's, finished up the uh, the UC, the USC game while I was watching. Oh man, I'm watching so you
4: good. getting fist bumps over here and like fist pumps, and I'm thinking like, what? Are, oh, that was, he didn't even have a point there. Well, he might as well not come because yeah, anyway, USC won in the
3: last here, right?
2: 15 seconds of the game, and that kept turn my bracket off, good.
3: Turn off. Your All right, tablet, let's get, get into to some, some news, let's get into some
2: news besides sports, besides March Madness. So <laughs> you guys might have baseball
3: seen, starts next month. Um, yeah, right. now that's 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 some Christian stuff right up in here. Mm, okay,
2: man, we need to have a, a debate on that. <laughs> so, so Trump, released, holy sport, uh, Trump,
3: holy sport of baseball.
2: Trump released his uh, budget, his proposed budget <clears> this year. I don't know if you guys seen any of uh, in, any of the news going around, no. but his proposed budget, at least this point, some of the details I haven't dug too deep in it yet, but some of the things that he's proposed so far, it, it ha- comes with eleven agencies or departments um, losing funding. So agencies and departments- I already like like that. I don't
4: know what it is yet, but I like the Uh, fact that government um, departments are losing their funding. So is it anybody that's of worth?
2: National Endowments (laughs) of the Arts and Humanities. Yes. um, Okay. Corporation for Public Broadcasting, CBP. Yes. Which (laughs) is the agency that (laughs) funds- (laughs) NPR. Please say NPR. Please say NPR. NPR. Please say NPR. (laughs) 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 And and PBS. they, They fund that- that's $45 Wait, million PBS can go away? They're going to do some
4: funding? NPR and
2: PBS are under that. Oh. Legal, I think I like that. Legal yes. Service Corporation. Some of these are
4: just redundant. Wait, wait. Does that mean no more Sesame Street?
2: Um. <laughs> I, well, I mean, come on, man. I'm they just can wondering. Get, they could get funding. I mean, NPR and hey, PBS can get funding. Let's just pass on the bucket for
4: Sesame yep. Street, as long as they don't do the gay thing.
2: <laughs> I thought they did.
4: Did they really? Okay. Uh, I'm, pretty sure Defund, I'm pretty sure they did. Defund I'm Sesame Street. I'm yeah. in.
2: <laughs> U.S. U.S. Trade and Development Agency, um, Woodrow Wilson International Program for Scholars, um, they, they don't they, Neighborhood Reinvestment Corporation, Denali Commission. Are these so all forth.
3: like completely getting defunded, or they're just getting cut? D- completely defunded. Oh. So
2: the, the, these are the ones I'm, that I've listed off. there are getting completely defunded. Okay. Um, and then he's got a number of other agencies are losing. Let me let me just run through this real quick, and then I get some things for you. Um, a number of other agencies are, are getting cut. You know, thirteen percent, sixteen percent. Urban, the housing and urban developments getting cut. Department of Transportation is getting cut. Uh, budgets about twelve percent. Uh, their budgets getting cut. Not the department. Their budgets getting cut about twelve percent. Department of Health and Human Services. Their budgets getting cut about sixteen percent. Department of Education. Budgets getting cut thirteen um, percent. EPA. Give me a percentage. How much do you think EPA is getting cut? Fifteen percent. Uh, Thirty. Oh, a little over thirty percent. Wow, um, which is which is I think is is really. Um, of course, I'm happy with with a lot of that, but the one problem I have in all this is he's actually increasing military spending.
4: <laughs> so what we have here is he's throwing a bone basically to conservatives.
2: Yeah, right. And and he's increasing military spending um, by uh, man. I wanted to say around ten percent, and military spending and homeland security are both getting an increase in, in spending. Yeah. Which is a conservative thing. It's like well, you it's, cut over it's, here, it's and not, then you. But it's a Republican. It's thing. It's a Republican thing. Yeah, let me put it that way. It's better. Right. So Republicans, what do they do? They always increase our defense budget, and our defense budget is oh oh. I mean, our our defense budget is. I should probably release this uh, uh, link when I post the episode. Our defense budget is about six hundred eighty-two billion. Whoa. As of two thousand twelve, that's the last numbers that I have in front of me. Comparing this chart, this is a comp- chart comparison. And that equals the top 10 other countries' budgets total, defense in budgets the, total. In the, in the world. And the world. Uh, and China, Russia, UK, Japan, Fran- France, Saudi Arabia, India, Germany, Italy, Brazil Combined. have a $652 billion budget. <laughs> combined <laughs> and US is 680. Combined.
4: Well, you know, know, when you go to occupy other people's countries,
2: <laughs> yeah. You well, kind of need some
4: money to keep that going. Yeah. We're <laughs> we're in 100
2: we have military bases in 150 nations.
3: What percentage of that um of of our military budget what, what what piece of the pie is that for our total budget? Um
2: I I don't have that stat in front of me.
3: Well, but what are you good I for? I know. I know, seriously.
4: <laughs> But that doesn't <laughs> Stop matter. Stop watching that March Madness. Because our
2: social services, welfare, and all that mm-hmm. still are the largest part of our budget. Really? Are yes. they? absolutely
3: bigger than military?
2: Yep. If you add up all our social services, they're bigger than military. Because our our budget problem here in the U.S. is any of that getting trimmed? It's an entitlement problem. No, sure. If I know. If, yeah. if we if we dealt with our entitlements alone, we'd fix a lot so of. So an, is any problems. of that getting trimmed? No. Uh, i didn't i, I didn 't go into the trump 's budget on that side of things um
4: how, just for a second because uh, when we 're talking about uh, our, our we 're talking about health care we 're talking about welfare we 're talking about mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. help you know people who are not working and taking care of them for just i think i mean this is a whole other conversation to talk about the military side of this, but just yeah. that side of it uh as far as uh, our health care social services all that stuff, how does the gospel come in and really I think that points to a gospel problem. It's not like, oh, wow, that's not just a money problem.
3: Absolutely. But it's
4: a gospel problem. How, since you're just freshly back, Pastor Toby, let's just throw this one in your court. From, cor- Ca- from California,
3: Stan. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. I mean, you- where, where, You know what? In California, Stan? Yeah. Y- You've got to buy your bags at the grocery yes, store. Yes, you
4: do. What?
3: You've got you to buy your grocery bags. Yeah. Yeah, they they charge you money
2: five cents a plastic well, bag because it, it it hurts the environment, so you're paying to help the environment. Oh my god! Okay, so so you're
4: you're you're president for Anyways, a day. I'm, they sh- they show you the six hundred this six hundred eighty billion dollar. Uh, this is
2: my governor for a day question. Right, right. right, right. I, if you're president the for a day, always if you're president for day, always asking, you, you, you're you're a always
4: day, asking this and, question. It's like, a great question. Well, hey, there's a there's billions six hundred something odd billion dollars for, mili- for military, right?
2: That's two thousand twelve numbers. That's two thousand twelve. So
4: five so years ago, right? But that's yep. not, not okay. for the social services. So social services though, you don't even. Let's just say that it's triple that. Yeah. All right. Let's just say or let's say 10 billion. Yeah. uh, 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 I'm sorry. 10 (laughs) billion. I wish. I'm sorry. It's it's 800 billion.
2: I think Uh, I think the larger problem with David is a a math problem. (laughs) Uh, It's the vape I have. It's messing (laughs) up
4: my head. And and so you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We'll deal with the military stuff in a second. But uh, how do you. How do you fix this as a Christian? Right. And you're looking at this because I think it's easy for us to point out to everybody else and say, "Oh man, look what they're doing." To How do you it, back out. Yeah. How do you <laughs> say, "Okay, guys, this is our plan to go about fixing this um, 800 billion dollar entitlement program entitlement
3: right. program that we have." Right. Um. I'll top of my head really fast. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'll need to correct this, fix it. Um. Just, I want to. I want to. Well, um. What I would probably want to do is I want to figure out. Um, I, I think there are like veterans and elderly people and things like that. People in really extreme situations that either we have we have promised to provide for them or care for them. Um, well, they promised Social Security to me.
4: Let, let, let the president talk. Don't interrupt, Mr. President. Seriously,
3: seriously. <laughs> he looked uh, am- at me kind of mad. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm angry, Toby. Uh, <laughs> and. Um, but I, I'm going to, what I want to do is I want to get my, my best people. I got great people, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the best people on this and I'm going to have, them um, um, sift through and I'm going to, and I want to, I want to, I want to, um, chop it. I mean, you know, 75% of the budget, mm. I'm going to chop it and, um, immediately. Wow. And I'm going to take maybe, you know, that, the last, that that's last 25% of it and I'm going to, and I'm going to send it. To the the people that I think are um, your best, that, that
2: could that could die without. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm talking about
3: primarily new. like yeah, yeah, the people that really yeah. are like on the verge of death. Yep. Yeah, um, total, total
2: poverty, total you know, yeah, and yep. not
3: not like they have a big screen TV uh-huh. and they can't get the second iPhone. Right. Um, uh, and you know that that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm gonna slash it massively, um, and um, and and I think that all that um money just i want to give it back i want to push it back and so I want to slash taxes accordingly uh-huh and send it back into the back to the people yeah and um and i want to say um uh the people need to take care of the people mm. you 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 need you need to you know businesses think about your people communities think about your people churches think about your people uh families think about your people reach out here it is you do this. You do it better than the fence. You do it better than Big Brother. So seventy-five percent cut. Period. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. And here's here's maybe maybe I should be more. now whew. Well, well. And okay. I
4: think hey, and let, hey, let I, me add I, to this real quick. I right. think
2: a part of part of the problem is we backed ourselves into such a corner in all this that any change we do is gonna cause problems. Sure. Yeah. But that's what sin does. Yeah. Right. We so, get so we get so far down the line in our sin, and then any sort of repentance. Is going to look oh, drastic, in some, drastic yeah. and maybe even catastrophic at yeah. least in appearance.
3: So, a, a, a slight modification of the same thing would be to say, like, create a three-year plan in which, or a five-year plan mm-hmm. in which we arrive at that destination yeah. incrementally. Yeah. You know, so every every year another fifteen percent is lopped off, or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, but I think it's. I think you got to. I think Gabe's right. I think you. It's going to be catastrophic, and and but you've. You've got to turn off the hose. Biblically,
4: it, biblically, it, is the government supposed to be taking care of the people in that way?
3: Social—that's so, not, not their primary calling. I—I I don't have a—I don't think that it's. Um, some people speak like if the government does anything like that ever, 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 it's a high-handed sin. Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced of that. Okay. Uh, I'm, I, I, but I would say absolutely the order is family first, then church. Yeah. Um, then I would say even society. Locally, uh, you should much rather have people locally taking care of you than people yeah. three thousand miles away from you. Yeah. But Absolutely. then, but yeah, in, in but in certain kind of catastrophic situations, I don't have a problem with their, you know, the gov- governor, or a president declaring a state of emergency, and you know, sending the Red Cross in with emergency, you know, medical supplies and, and hot lunches because yeah. because there's a massive, you know, a hurricane that wipes out the whole infrastructure. Yeah. Um. That, I don't think that the gov- the, the federal government or the, the state government is overstepping God's boundaries by seeing this imminent threat right. to life and health. Yeah. But I don't think that means then they should be in charge of making sure that everybody um, gets a visit to the dentist every year.
4: But if, yeah, Exactly. But if people are having more of their money back and are able to give more to their church who are supposed to be taking care of the elderly, the widows, those who are in tough times, then we could see... A, a catastrophic change for the better right? right so but also the reason i like what you're talking i like what you're saying i just want to add one more thing i think gabe and i were talking about this earlier or the other day um, someone who is actually affected by the social programs they they have a very uh, rough choice and i don't think we think about it enough that's why i like your position yes give more money back to the people so they have their money um, but then, if they have that money and they want to go and start a business the the re- bureaucratic red tape, the licensing all that stuff they have to do to get involved into the free market, they still don 't have that opportunity right and so not only do we need to give them back the money, but we need to remove all the sanctions and the red tape that it takes to get involved in business right if i want to if I get my money back and I want to go start an oil company i can 't do that. Right. 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 So how am I supposed to function in this world? Even though I have the money, I need another door to open up. I need the government to take their hand off of some stuff. Right. right? So that I can get involved in those industries and make money and supply jobs for people. Yep. Right. Money for people. So a person who's in a social program, they're saying, OK, I got this money coming from the government. I want to get off of that. And I believe a lot of people do want to get off. I think some people do want to get off of it. Um, and that. But they are saying if I go out into the workforce, I'm not even you know, everything's so hyped, insurance, all this other stuff like that, um, the fact that I have to have car insurance, I have to have house insurance, uh, it forces a, a dollar amount on me that I can't afford to maintain apart from getting help from the government, you know? So even if I launch on my own, I'm going to die. So either I launch on my own and die or I keep taking handout from the government, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we have a 2 prong approach. It's giving the money back and, relo- and releasing a more free market approach to industry.
3: Yeah. You know. Agreed,
4: so, agreed, yes. Slash that's... all those regs <laughs> Yeah,
2: well, I think, I mean, you know, the reason why we've gotten in this situation is because our hearts have ultimately got greedy. Yeah. Our hearts have only, which is weird because everyone thinks it's a poor problem, but it's actually a heart-grasping problem, and then now we've turned into this entitlement system, entitlement budget moving forward. Yeah. And so we got this, um, well, let, let me actually tie it into this. Oh, <laughs> that's it. Oh, d- d- that's wow. it. We- we- you
4: know what? This is what happens when you treat me mean.
3: Uh, Cut me off. Cut you off. Hey, <laughs> it, just, when, it we just seemed like it was fast <laughs> because you were watching your brackets. <laughs> that's right.
4: <laughs> 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 yeah. Uncle Gary Demar, next when we come back on Cross Politics.
0: For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world, not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at NSA.edu forward
3: Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. At Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration unashamed of Christ and sharply at odds with the values of modernity. A mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, "Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already accepted your works." cannonpress.com
4: Welcome back to Cross Politic. I've taken Toby's job. (laughs) Hey, hey,
2: hey. (laughs) Because he never shows up anymore.
4: (laughs) Not only are we happy to have our dear pastor, Toby Sumter, back in studio with us, but we also have my uncle, Uncle Gary DeMar. (laughs) Now, listen. I've, I just want everybody to know I've coined the, the phrase Uncle Gary. I love it, and everybody's kind of. Yeah. I, sh- I think it should happen because Uncle yeah. Gary is really the uncle to um, post millennial <laughs> yeah. brethren. Right, he's 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 the guy who's you know he's kind of cranky. No offense, Uncle Gary, uh, but you know he loves you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so
4: so if you're post mill,
3: Gary's your uncle.
4: He's he's your uncle. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but he's, he's adopting nephews. He is. He is. Okay. And, and that's why we have him on the show. Okay. So that he can adopt a few nephews... To the post millennial world perspective.
1: I was going to say, like yeah. Godfather. He's, he, well, He's Godfather. Godfather. You know, you know? He is,
4: honestly. Like, Godfather
1: Gary. He had the blog. <laughs> was yeah, a God- I've, got, I've, got, I've got a website called Godfather Politics. That's too.
4: right. Uh, so, like, that's right. I forgot. I, forgot. I forgot. That's right. That's right. Blog, so. that's right. <laughs> and he, he does yeah. have some looks that he'll give you that'll make you think that he can have some people take you out. He, yeah. he, <laughs> might, he might leave a dead <laughs> horse in your bed. <laughs> that's very possible. <laughs> so
2: add to the, the introduction where, where can you find out more information about Gary? You can find
4: out. I think all of his books and content that you can buy is on AmericanVision.org. Is it Uncle Gary? Yes,
2: yes.
4: AmericanVision.org. And you just came out with a new website, finally self-titled GaryDemar.com.
2: It should have been Uncle Gary.
4: You know what? Let's buy that (laughs) now. Trying to keep it short. Trying
1: to keep it short. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Now, now, Uncle Gary, uh, this is kind of special for me because when I first met you, I was making transition or um, I guess I wasn't fully moved from my dispensational world.
2: He just wasn't out of the closet yet.
4: Right. Well, that's part of it. I was working (laughs) at a ministry that was very full dispensational and um, they had objections that I thought were valid objections. And you wrote a book that blew my mind. It was called myth lies and half truths. And and there were three things that I thought, like for me, that was a turning block is like, if you're saying that the world is getting better, why do we still have so much trouble and hate and violence and uh, and and the world still feels like and looks like it's falling apart. Um, and if that's the case, if it's things that are getting better, then why does it still look like that? That was one of the issues. The second issue was, if Jesus is King of the world, if Jesus is ruling and reigning, um, this goes right into the last one I was just saying. Why doesn't it look like a kingdom that Jesus is ruling and reigning on if He's conquered? You know. Um, and and then right. and then the last one was if if we if if we're not going to get raptured out of this joint. <laughs> yeah, I gave a pause for laughter. <laughs> if, if we're not going to get raptured out of this joint, what are we supposed to be doing? Because for me, growing up, the rapture, and this is probably where you want to start at, the rapture was live your life to get ready to be raptured out of here for Jesus coming, which means the world had really, I, I didn't have any connection to the world in, in um, outside of proclaiming the gospel for people to get saved and to get out of here. And so when you when you start talking about we're not going to get raptured out of here, my question is then what are we supposed to be doing?
1: Well, that's why I wrote Myths, Lies, and Half-Truths, because I kept, anytime I went on the road and started talking about Christian worldview issues, ine- inevitably there would be somebody in the audience would say, well, you know, aren't we living in the last days? Israel became a nation in 1948, and <laughs> isn't this a fulfillment of prophecy? And Jesus said, talked about wars and rumors of wars and so forth and so on, so... I had to answer those kinds of objections, and that's what I did in Myths, Lies, and Half-Truths, and then I combined it with another book called Last Day's Madness and gave the exegetical reasons why most people are confused about the the Bible prophecy issue because Jesus was talking about the end end of the Old Covenant world of of Israel, which which came with the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. And everything that we're seeing today in our culture— was was seen way back then. I mean, I mean, Paul was dealing with homosexuality in Romans chapter one. He was dealing with it in First Corinthians six. He was dealing with it in First Timothy one, in the book of Revelation as well. And I think I think Paul in Second Timothy three is 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 very clear. In the first seven verses of Second Timothy chapter three, Paul is describing to Timothy how bad his world was. But then he goes on to say, "But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all." And I think that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing the collapse of a man-centered, very secular, naturalistic, materialistic worldview—you uh, know, coming coming to an end. And then you ask the inevitable question: So what? You know, and Francis Schaeffer asked it years ago: Should how should we then live while this was this was taking place? And unfortunately, Schaefer didn't really have an answer to that because he was—he also believed that the world was, you know, on the verge of eschatological collapse.
5: Hmm.
1: Um, so your your eschatology, your 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 prophetic worldview, makes a huge, huge difference in how you're going to look at evil around us. So we're the we're the problem. Because we won't address it and 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 work through it all.
4: Well, You just made my head explode. You said that the the world is collapsing, <laughs> but, but you're and then the other side. You're saying but the world's getting better. I don't understand. How is it collapsing, and then at the same time, how's how's it getting better?
1: Well, if you go back to the Old Testament and you look about Israel going into captivity, uh, I believe it's in Jeremiah where you know God describes you know I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to pluck it up, and, and Zephaniah talks, he, he literally talks about, you go back and read Zephaniah, it sounds so apocalyptic. It's, yeah. it's the end-of-the-world language. He's going to wipe everything off the face of the earth. Read Zephaniah chapter 1. I'm going to wipe everything off the face of the earth. Now, if he was going to wipe everything off the face of the earth, then why is there a chapter 2 and a chapter 3? Because he shows that after this is all wiped out, He's he's going to bring about redemption to his people, and they're supposed to get to work in rebuilding what is going to, is going to be mm. you know, w- wiped off.
5: Right. And what's
1: interesting about that that wor- that worldwide language of destruction, it was it was written specifically to Ju- to Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, right. So that yep. that apocalyptic language that seems so universal was was designed for a local judgment. Um, so. I mean you, you you gotta put these things together before you can before you can rebuild you have to basically go in and with your bulldozers and knock down the old structures and, and the old ways of doing things.
3: When I was uh when I, I went I went to New St Andrews College for my undergrad in nineteen ninety eight, um Ooh, you old nineteen ninety eight I read Last Day's Madness and um and it was I grew up in the Reformed tradition, grew up in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Um, but I think there was definitely this sort of the, this default, even though we have this sort of reformed worldview, there was definitely a default of, but the world's going to end any minute. And so there was this, just this disconnect, this, and and, and you didn't, you, you sort of tried to do stuff, but you didn't really know why it mattered. And, um, and last day's madness was a significantly helpful book for me as a 17, 18 year old trying to put, you know, figure out like, what. How does this all work? And just walking through the the texts and Matthew twenty four, um, and the other all of that discourse uh, language in the Gospels, and then Revelation and so on, um, just showing carefully how each of those things can it's it's answering the question: What about this temple? What about J- Jerusalem? What about Israel? And and then going back into the Old Testament and showing how this is how God has been talking all along to His people, and it's not anything new with Jesus.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go back and look at the the, the commentaries, in like fact, that's what I've I've done more in this uh, Wars and Rumors of the Wars book. And you go back and look at the the older commentaries, and that, they under understood that language. Uh, and if you look at the historian of the of the time, Josephus, I mean, he he, he he's basically you know. He's he's better at, at biblical exegesis than a lot of modern day conservative Christian scholars, and he's not even attempting to support the Christian religion. That's right. But you read the works yeah. of Josephus, and yeah. it sounds just like just like what Jesus is describing in, in Matthew twenty-four, Mark thirteen, and Luke twenty-one. Um, it's 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 all there. I, you know, my position isn't new at all. I, I'm I'm not that original. I I, <laughs> I just went back and just and just and just put it into a a more digestible way of, of, of seeing it. And yeah. uh, if, if Christians would, would latch, would latch on to this, that, you know, it would make a huge difference in, in the world today. And unfortunately, we're still kind of stuck in this, you know, you know, left, left behind. Jesus is coming back soon. I just saw a new book that came out by, by Brian Wright, who's here in the Atlanta area. You know, Jesus is coming back soon. The time is near and just right around the corner for me that, There's a marquee outside of a church that Jesus is coming back soon. I mean, it just won't go away.
3: (laughs) So really practically, when the Bible says that the sun is going to go out, the moon is going to get turned to blood, stars are going to fall out of the sky, we read that and, and your instinct is to think, that's the end of the world. But what are you arguing that that symbolism, that language is actually saying?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting you bring it up. I, we have a, a mutual friend. I won't name him because I don't want to ruin his ministry. Uh, he was. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 did oh. a video, I did a video series on Matthew 24, and a friend, a, a mutual friend of, of, of ours, had given him this video series that I did, and uh, he started watching it. And every time he watched one of the 30-minute segments, he said, "You know, he's making. He's. Not, I believe he's making his case." He yeah. says, but I don't understand how he's going to deal with the sun, moon, and stars language of Matthew twenty four <laughs> twenty nine, 29. And after he watched that, it completely changed his view. Because all I showed was, and anybody can do this, Jesus is quoting language from the Old Testament, right. which is descriptive of the fall of pagan, pagan nations. For example, Isaiah chapter 13 in, in, in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, the um, the, the heavens are going to be rolled up like a scroll. The sun is going to go dark. Of course, when the sun goes dark, the moon goes dark. And then you ask yourself the question, why would Jesus apply that Babylonian-type judgment language to Israel, sun, moon, and stars? Because you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 37, you will see that Israel is described as sun, sun moon, moon, and stars. stars. Yeah. It, it was Joseph's dream. And then you go into uh, uh, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, you know, there's a woman with a crown of 12 stars on her head. She's standing on the moon, and she's draped with the sun, which is obviously, you know, the representative of Israel who gives birth to the promised Messiah. Mm-hmm. And again, all of the all of these older commentators saw that relationship. Uh, it isn't the end of the physical world. It was the collapse of an older covenantal, view of the world or the, or the, or the judgment on, on, a, on a particular, on a particular nation.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and you basically were just saying a, a little bit ago that you, you hold really to the historic view of, of the end times and of uh, the millennium and so forth. And that was what, well, was probably what up to about 1700s, um, maybe um, early 1800s when that started to shift and the, the dominating view now is kind of premium theology um, rapture, well, and there's an, obviously different shades of that.
1: Well, the, the the idea of a pre-tribulational rapture, where you have to separate the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy from the other 69 weeks, and put a gap. Uh, you know, the the prophecy clock supposedly stopped during Jesus's ministry when when Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, which, by the way, did not did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it won't that 70th week won't start back up again. Until the rapture of the church, that is a 19th century, that is a 19th century um, uh, doctrine. You, you go back before 1830 or so, and you won't find anybody who holds that position. There have always been milliists or premillennialists around, but none of them believed that um, there was a there was a separate rapture coming, and then a seven-year tribulation period, and then Jesus coming again after that, and then. A one thousand year of reign of Jesus on the earth. That is that is a brand new nineteenth century yeah, Uncle um, Gary doctrine. That, what,
4: Yeah, but everybody just missed it before then. Everybody just missed it. There's been plenty of things in our in our in our in our, in our church history where the Trinity wasn't really defined clearly until later, and 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 when they uh, were um in history. And so before that, we just wasn't you know we people just kind of knew it or it was aware, but they, they, it wasn't there, it wasn't clear, and so it just had to be defined. And so dispensationalism, um, as, hey, you're post-mill, right? The, as they were digging through yeah. the scriptures, it just became clear that this was the the doctrine that was
1: biblical.
2: <laughs> and we just missed it. Right? And, and, and we just missed it. I mean, well,
1: yeah, that, I always ask, I always say, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody reading the Bible who has ever come to, the 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 belief that the 70th week of Daniel is separated from the other 69 weeks with a gap of nearly 2,000 years, and that the church is going to be raptured before a seven-year period in which the temple is going to be rebuilt, and Antichrist is going to make a covenant with, with, with Israel, is going to break the covenant, two-thirds of the Jews are going to be slaughtered during that period on and, on and on. I don't know anybody reading the Bible who has ever come to that position on his or her own but I have met numerous people in reading the Bible who have come to the position that Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 refers to the events leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And you, the only people who believe in this, this end time scenario of a pre tribulational rapture are people who were taught that from somebody else. Uh, I don't know anybody who's ever come to that position on his or her own. But the other position, the position that I hold to, which all these, all these commentators, you know, at, you know, Adam Clark, you know, Matthew Henry, and John Gill, and and even John Wesley, to to a certain extent, they all believe that that, that those particular passages hmm. refer to events leading up to and including the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. seventy.
3: Now, now let, let me uh, let me throw another passage at you that um, that people oftentimes point to. This is First Thess- Thessalonians, the end of. First Thessalonians 4, the beginning That's of chapter del- 5, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So he, he says, uh, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, presumably speaking of those who are dead. You may not grieve as others who do not have hope. Uh, we believe that Jesus died, rose again, even so. Through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left into the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven With a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we'll always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then he continues into chapter five. You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Um, While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Um, it, It isn't. You know, one way of reading this would be to say, but you know, to say that the Lord isn't coming; it, it, it's not imminent. It's it's not it's not going to come at in any moment. It's not coming soon. Aren't isn't that a way of saying, look, there's peace and security, and don't worry about it? But uh, but Paul says is coming as a thief in the night.
1: That particular passage traditionally has been used for the what we would call the second coming of Christ, and that's quite different from the rapture of the church uh the, the and, and i had a debate with i, I debated dave hunt uh, numerous times and i asked him specifically and i said david give me one verse in the bible that says that jesus is going to that the church is going to be raptured before a seven-year tribulation period and i knew he was going to take me to first thessalonians 4 and i said well where in there does it say that the church is going to be raptured before a seven-year tribulation period well he didn't have an answer because it doesn't say that what what the what the the rapture advocates have to come up with is this passage you got to find a passage that says the church is going to be raptured, taken up into heaven prior to a seven year tribulation period and then what follows that is a one thousand year reign of Christ on the earth after Jesus comes back again. But when you read that passage, it ends with and they'll be they'll be with the Lord forever. Uh, th- that has traditionally been a passage that refers to the second coming of Christ, not a not a rapture of the church, not whether whether it's a pre pre trib, mid trib, post trib, you know, partial rapture or a pre wrath rapture. That passage has nothing to do with the rapture. Traditionally, it has always had something to do with the second coming of Christ, which is which again traditionally has been sometime in the future that we don't have any idea when that's going to be. Okay, let's see the Go ahead. No, no, no. Finish. I want. I know you talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, the and and I've always asked this. In fact, I posted something the other day on on my on my Facebook page, and this guy who's always uh, you know comments on my stuff, and he you know because I he said I was ridiculing, you know, God's word and all this sort of thing, and it was over the the the, the soon coming of Christ and the rapture idea, and I said, Gavin. All I'm looking for is a single verse in the New Testament that says that the church is going to be taken off into heaven prior to a seven-year tribulation period. This is your fundamental doctrine. Where is the verse that teaches it? And it's just like the temple is going to be rebuilt. I said, give me a verse in the New Testament that says that the temple is going to be rebuilt again. Well, there isn't one. In fact, they even... They even say there isn't the temple. I got this thick book by some guy who was talking about the temple, and he admits, there's no, there's no verse in the New Testament that says the temple's going to be rebuilt. Tim LaHaye's <laughs> argument to argument uh, on the uh, why, why the rapture doesn't take place, there isn't a post-tribulational rapture after the seven-year period, and he'll say, well, when someone says, well, there's no verse for the pre-trib rapture, he says, well, there's no verse for the post-trib rapture either. And my comment, the reason there isn't a verse for either one is because there isn't any such thing as a rapture as a distinct as a distinct event from the second coming of Christ. The mm. New Testament does not talk about the church being taken off the earth prior to a seven year period in which the an Antichrist makes a covenant with with Israel uh, and then breaks the covenant, and all hell breaks loose, and two-thirds of the Jews. Living in Israel are going to be slaughtered. They don't like. They don't like to talk about that part or about their love for Israel. <laughs> uh, right. And, and I, because and, I had a little again on on, on Facebook, and this, this guy would not answer the question. He, I said, well, how do you deal? And I I had a, I had a debate with Michael Brown, uh, not too long ago, and I said, Michael, I said, you you know, you talk about Israel in the future. I said, how do you deal with Zechariah thirteen eight? Which talks about two thirds of the Jews are going to be slaughtered during this time that you say God is going to restore Israel. I said, How is that a restoration of Israel where God has to kill two th- thirds of them during this, this period of time? How do you deal with that? Well, he said, You know, I never, I really don't know how to deal with that verse. <laughs> and there is no way to deal with that verse. Oops. Oh. Uh, that, that's, that's, that, that's, that's the problem. I can deal with that verse. I know yeah. exactly what it's referring to, yep. and it refers to the events leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But if you study the you, you study the, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus is very clear. He says, this is going to happen before your generation passes away. When you see these things happen, you better head for the hills, get out get out of the city, go out into the mountains. He warned them. To stay out of the city, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, as Luke's version says it. But today, people these, these people are encouraging Jews to go to Israel. I said, why yeah. are you doing that? Yeah. For, for every three that go in, two of them are going to be are going be <laughs> slaughtered. And what, what, right. Char, what Charles Ryrie calls Israel's greatest bloodbath.
4: Yeah. Well, Uncle Gary, you need a drink of water. <laughs> and and, and, and while, while you're taking that drink of water, we're going to go to break here. But I want you to... I want you to think about if you had to convince a dispensationalist to switch his position, I want you to think about if you actually had to talk directly to one, what and like, how like, would like, you... Like if, if there was one in the studio, Just think about if there was <laughs> one in the studio that you wanted to talk... I mean, who was a dispensationalist. What would you... I want you to think about this while we're taking a break. What would you say to him, and what would, what would you think would be the thing that would convince him or you would question him and say, okay... This is gonna help you change your position. Sure. Okay, think about that. When we okay. come back more with Uncle Gary, go to AmericanVision.org and get some of his books. It's so valuable. It's so valuable. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about how eschatology matters yes. in our world. Next on Cross Politics.
0: This is Cy Tembrunke with Answer Anyone Apologetics. Somebody comes up to you and says, I don't believe in God. And what do we do? We give them evidence. Look at the complexity of the eye. Look at this paper fragment. Look at these rock layers. And you've studied your rock layers. You wipe the floor with them. What's he gonna do? He's gonna go home and Google rock layers. You want him to repent and put his trust in Jesus Christ and he's Googling rock layers. Congratulations. The next day you run into a PhD in geology and he wipes the floor with you. You see, when you do apologetics wrong, you have to be an expert in geology, biology, astrophysics, nuclear chemistry, you name it. You have to be brilliant. The problem is there's always someone smarter than you. In John 10, 27, Jesus did not say, my sheep hear your really good argument. He said, my sheep hear my voice. In Luke 21, 15, Jesus said, I will give you a mouth and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. The power of God for salvation is not in your brilliant arguments. As Romans 1.16 tells us, it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apologetics is easy. Read your Bible and do what it says. For more apologetic answers, visit answeranyone.com.
3: Hey, welcome back, Cross Politic. This uh, segment is brought to you by a bacon cheeseburger. From A&W. From A&W. <laughs> and, did, uh, did you not eat before the show? No. I'm hungry, man. Uh, we got, we got uh, Gary DeMar with us still in the studio for a second segment. This is a twofer, guys. Yeah. Man.
5: Um,
3: I, I found out more about Gary. Um, Uncle Gary grew up in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's a graduate of Western Michigan University, earned his MDiv at Reformed Theological Seminary. RTS. Yeah. He, uh. Yes. You have two, two grown sons, and you guys are, uh, in Atlanta. Now, there is a whole pile of books. Oh, my gracious. You gotta talk about his grandkids, too. But, well, it's not on here.
4: I it, know. I, Uncle Gary, you do not love your grandkids? Why are they not on your bio?
3: Um. I've got nine, nine now. Nine Nine grandkids.
4: Congratulations. Had one just a week before I had mine.
3: Is that right? Yes. Oh, wow. Gary's been interviewed by Time Magazine, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, and the BBC, and Sean Hannity. He's done numerous radio and television interviews, including The Bible Answer Man, hosted by Hank Hanegraaff. Newspaper interviews with Gary have also appeared in The Washington Times, Toledo, Blade, The Sacramento Bee, The Atlanta Journal, Constitution, and The Chicago tribune so you know this is this is kind of sean hannity yeah.
2: why, why did sean hannity have you on gary was he trying to predict the end times
1: no no he was uh, he was here in atlanta before he went to fox he was here in atlanta there was a huge controversy during the 1996 olympics over um uh, homosexual rights in cobb county where i live and there were supposed to be some venues uh, in Cobb County dealing with the Olympics and the Cobb County commissioners had, uh, opposed giving, uh, special benefits to same sex couples. And that just caused a, a, an absolute uproar. And, uh, I was kind of, I had my organization, American vision had gotten together 278 pastors, and brought him can you imagine that 278 pastors wow. actually agreeing on something yeah, yeah. <laughs> to top county to, to uh to, to, Mar- to marietta square wow and we had a, a meeting there and anyway some some guy who didn't like some of my political views made made some some very very had an article in creative loafing uh david i don't know if you remember the Creative. remember creative loafing that magazine that they would, they would put it outside restaurants here and yes, terrible, terrible, yes. Section, very yeah. disgusting magazine. Anyway, yeah. it mentioned, um, uh, some things, uh, that Sean Hannity had su- supported things that we were saying. Then this guy said, well, Gary DeMar plays this and this. Anyway, he, Sean had me on the show with this guy and, um that was that was my that was my so-called interview. It Had nothing really to do with eschatology. It had more to do with okay. with politics. It
4: okay. always has to do with eschatology, Uncle Gary. Always. Always, always yeah, has thank, to do. It. Yeah, thank <laughs> <you>. yes, <yeah. laughs> to bring it full circle. <laughs> to bring it full yeah. circle. Speaking so so <laughs> someone, let's just say they were in studio and was listening and you had a shot to try and move them from a dispensational perspective to a post millennial perspective what what would be your 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 pitch what what's your
1: like this well, is going to kill it that's 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 a that's a pretty big leap from getting somebody to move out of dispensationalism post post-millennialism in one setting so you're, ah, you're, you can you're do doing with two things here you're, you yeah, can I, do yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's basically it's 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 you know tearing up and and then replanting so the first thing you have to do is You've got to tear up and uh, the, where I always begin is you know definitions and I'll say okay what is the, what's the what are the essential elements of dispensationalism and essential elements of dispensationalism is not the fact that there are different dispensations i mean uh, I, if you can go out through history and people believe that you know the the, the the Bible is progressive revelation and so forth and so on so it's it's not the idea that there are different dispensations the, the, the unique feature of dispensationalism is the pre-tribulational rapture, and the other one is, of course, a literal interpretation of the Bible. And so I start there, and I'll start with, give me the essential elements of dispensationalism, and I focus them in on pre-tribulational rapture, and I'll say, now give me a verse in the Bible in New Testament that says the church is going to be raptured prior to a seven-year tribulation period. Silence. Yeah. Because most people have never really thought that they've just heard this all their lives. They've been to church and you know talk about a pre-tribulational rapture. So give me a verse that teaches that. And uh, what's that?
2: No, no, we're listening. No. Let
1: me, let
4: me. It just so happens that we have a dispensationalist in the studio. Oh, hi. hey, Miles. Revela- <laughs> Revelation
1: Revelation Revelation three ten. Is that is that your is that your is
4: that your verse? Uh, hold on, one sec, Miles. Come over here. Come on, jump on the mic, Miles. Oh, no, Miles,
2: My, Miles is, My, is a friend of mine. <laughs> he, he
4: got look. Everybody give Miles a hand. He doesn't. Thank he, you, Miles. <laughs> I'm here for the ambush. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Gary. <laughs> Miles is a filmmaker from California, happens to be visiting me here in Idaho. We're working on a project. And uh, he didn't know he was in for this today. Not it just, at all. It just so happened that his hotel kind of kicked him out a little early. And I just found out that he, just today, he's actually a dispensationalist. It was like, this is perfect. We have Uncle Gary, the dispensationalist killer, I mean, lover, and, <laughs> um, and Miles Anillis, who happens to be a dispensationalist. So you actually get to okay. talk to a dispensational. L- look at that! God works in mysterious so, ways. But...
6: <laughs>
1: did, did I did I hear Reve- did I hear Revelation three ten?
6: Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Okay. Miles is just going to swallow it. Yes. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. So let's start Revelation three ten. It's a very good verse to start with. That's that's very. That's very that's, let me just say. You're the first person that's ever used Revelation three ten. Um, so <laughs> you want you, uh, give me a that, chance that, to recount? That's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's okay. By, I I, by now, revelation <laughs> okay. So there, there are two. Remember, there are two things we're talking about: um, l- l- the literal interpretation of the Bible. So Revelation chapter one verse one: Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bond servants the things which must shortly take place verse three blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near now you can do this on your own but you go through the whole entire new testament and look up every word every time the word near and shortly are used you will find that they always mean near and shortly <laughs> and uh, not it's, not, not two thousand of years. Yeah, not you're right. You can't, yeah. and, and that's what I always tell people to do. I said, plug in, plug in the idea of imminency. Any moment, and any moment can be any you know from tomorrow to two thousand years. Try to plug that that interpretation into those places where you see near and shortly, and see what you come up with. It it, it just doesn't work. So then you go to let's so let's look at three. Let's look at three hundred and ten. And by the way, Revelation 3.10 is is written within the context of seven churches that were alive and well in the first century. And so, you know, this is the the, the Church of Philadelphia, and and that Church of Philadelphia was in existence when when John wrote the book of Revelation. So let's look at Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, now, he's talking to the people in the, in the Church of Philadelphia. I'm not talking to you and me. He's talking first, primary audience, the Church of Philadelphia. I also will keep you, not you, you, but them, you, from the hour of testing that that hour, which, listen to this, is about to come. The Greek word there is mellow. Uh, and that that Greek word means just that, about to. Uh, and about to means, well, it's, a, it's about to take place. And I, since I believe the book of Revelation was written prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, because Revelation chapter 11 says that John was told to measure the temple, and the temple was not there after Revelation, after A.D. 70, so he's told to measure the temple. So now let's go back. So, we got the time indicators of, of 1 1 and 1 3. You have the temple still standing, Revelation chapter 11. We, we, we got a historic church in Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, or Philadelphia, Mississippi, but Philadelphia Church way back when. And it's, it's that uh, I will keep you from the hour of testing. That that hour which is about to come upon the now here's here I don't know what your translation has, but my translation has whole world.
5: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now okay. Now what's important about this, if you're really gonna do good sound biblical work, you gotta go to the original language. And that's the Greek. And the, the Greek word there is oikumene. It's not cosmos. It's the same Greek word that's used in Luke two one hmm. that uh uh, there was a Caesar Augustus, uh, the, there was supposed to be a, a tax upon the whole world. Hmm. The Greek word there is oikumene, hmm. and it's translated in most translations today as inhabited earth, and they'll put in the margin, they'll say Roman Empire. By the way, it's the same passage that's used in Acts chapter 11, that talks about there will be a famine over the entire oikumene. Inhabited Earth, Roman Empire. It's the same word that's used in Matthew twenty-four, fourteen, when talks about the gospel being preached in the whole world. It's Uh oikoumene. So, so this isn't dealing with
2: real quick, Gary. Isn't oikos is doesn't mean house? Isn't isn't there kind of root? There's a root there, right? The word,
1: yeah, oikos. Right, oikos means house. That's where we get the word oikos, oikonomik. Wow. Uh, economics, the lawful namas means law, mm-hmm. the lawful ordering of a household. House. Yeah, right. So right, oikumene, and so I I kind of interpret Oikumene translated as political boundary. It's mm-hmm. the it's the it's the existing political house uh geographical boundary of that particular time. Uh come upon the whole Oikumene to test those who dwell upon the and here's another translation issue, is, is, is it earth or land? It really doesn't matter, uh, because we use the word earth in a local way. But it can also just simply be translated as land, as you find in Luke chapter 21. So this passage has got nothing whatsoever to do with the church being taken off the earth before a seven-year tribulation period. This, this verse deals with the, the actual tribulation that was going to take place uh, before that generation passed away, like Jesus was talking about. And Jesus had warned about, and uh, and so this. I mean, this, this verse. I don't know anybody who ever used this for the for the rapture. They usually use. <laughs> Miles, what, you got some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> no,
6: I know uh, <laughs> that's the go-to verse for the, MacArthur, <laughs> right? From
1: MacArthur, and
6: yeah, uh, okay,
1: yeah, I'd love to sit down with John MacArthur and talk about these yeah. things, but now uh, Miles,
4: oh, Miles no, is no slouch. No, no, no. he's, he's, he's a he's a he's a he's a solid dude he's a guy who studied theology and so he knows so i'm interested to see miles like you're hearing this Mm -hmm. your response is well um that's a microphone so just put your mouth like right right in it there you go hey Hey, miles how you doing (laughs) nice voice that's a radio
6: voice hey (laughs) hello uh so um my my only issues i guess are uh it, it seems that uh excuse me excuse excuse my vernacular i'm i'm not we'll a, it out. an educated uh, <laughs> fellow but uh cats who who uh typically uh talk about eschatology it, it, everything does come down to what, in my experience in discussing this uh your your view of the bible and and he when right. he said when he said how do you explain dispensationalism i don't think it's the dispensations either i do think it's my view of scripture And that it is, uh, I don't see it as overwhelmingly, uh, or uh, the majority of it being allegorical. I see it as literal. And the reason why is because I I don't think... Keep in
1: mind, I haven't given you anything that's allegorical. I have stuck stuck with the text. I haven't even gone into interpretation Mm -hmm. so much. I've stuck with the text. Right, Right. so I wasn't necessarily speaking of you,
6: um, but just in my experience... Uh, that that seems to be—and and so what happens with that is that I feel like there is this liberty that most people take that um, are post-mill uh, or on-mill, that it, whenever it suits their theological persuasion, they will say, well, this is allegorical, well, this is not literal, mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. So, if you're
2: referring to, like, the sun, moon, and stars, stuff like stuff like that, we take it allegorical, meaning... Right, or
6: even the angel that was covered well, in keep, eyes keep in and mind, stuff like now. that. Let's, yeah.
1: let's, let's, be, let's understand something a second mm-hmm. before, you, before you go any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, allegory and, and symbolic are two completely different things. Right. Uh, if, you look at, if you look at Galatians chapter 4, Paul is dealing with an allegory. Uh, I don't know a single dispensationalist who would ever claim... That everything that they read in the Bible is literal.
6: Right. Right.
1: The, Absolutely. How? How Lindsay said that as much. But let me give mm. you. Let me give you a good example of this. And I. I, I do this all the time. I wonder how Lindsay's. Did you?
2: Did you really?
6: <laughs> yeah, that that was a guy in California, right? Yeah. Hal, yeah. Hal, yeah. Hal yeah. He was my yeah. neighbor. He was your neighbor. No way. Yeah. In Whittier, <laughs> in Whittier, California. I live well, across the
1: You see him again? Tell tell how I said hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Hey, let me just let me get. Here's what I did. I, I, you know, in Matthew twenty, twenty four, twenty nine, sun, moon, stars. And here's what I did. I, I, I looked at dispensational commentaries, uh, such as, and if I you don't did, mind I, me asking, and I went back, Uncle and Gary, I went back to, such as uh, Uncle, Gary, back,
2: Uncle Gary, Uncle uh, Gary, Miles is yeah. just asking, like give, com- give him a couple commentaries that you kind of are referencing with dispensational <laughs> worldview on this.
1: Well, there's one. There's one that. Um, it's a two-volume commentary, one on the Old Testament, one on the New Testament. Almost all of them, uh, uh, all of the uh, commentators were from Dallas Theological Seminary. Um,
2: DTS. I can't, mm-hmm.
1: uh, I can't remember the exact title of it. If I, if I could get to my computer, I'd, I'd be able to do it. So two dollars. volume: one on the Old Testament, one, one on the New Testament. And I, I looked at their interpretation of the sun, moon, and stars language when it's used in the Old Testament. And, with, and without exception, I, I, I believe, without exception, uh, they all take the position that I take that this is a, this is a descriptive, symbolic language describing the judgment of nations. Um, and so, I mean, so why, why would that change When you get to Matthew chapter 24, 29, especially when Jesus says in verse 34, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Mm -hmm. And every time this generation is used in the New Testament, it always, without exception, refers to the generation to whom Jesus is speaking. Never refers to a future generation. You have the near demonstrative this. Can't refer to race. The long Greek word. Genea means generation look at matthew one seventeen It always means generation, so this generation refers to the generation to whom Jesus is speaking. The language on sun, moon, and stars is kicking right out of the Old Testament, and all the dispensational commentaries when you look at the, their their commentary their their comments dealing with that sort of stellar language will say it refers to it's a symbolic language of, the, of you know, judgment upon nations. Um, and so why, why would that all of a sudden change when Jesus uses the same language, judgment language in Matthew chapter 24? Uh, then you have to have a good reason. And, uh, and so in the book of Revelation, you got a third of the stars who are, that are cast down to the earth. Well, our sun is a star. If, how, how does the earth survive? When, a, when uh, a third of the stars are thrown down to the earth, and then you have a then you have a big computer system, with we won't be able to buy or sell. In, in, in Revelation chapter 13, how's that possible? In the chapters before this, when the earth was just torn completely to pieces, vaporized by a third of the stars falling to falling to the earth. Uh, so I, I'm not the guy who allegorizes. Uh, I, I, in fact, I, I, I have a standing offer. I said I'll, I'll debate any dispensationalist, and I will be more literal than they will be. <laughs> and that's why, yeah, and, and, and that's why they won't debate. Well, let me. Uh, but, uh,
2: you do,
4: gotta, well, hold on. So. I, w- I want to hear. From, I want to hear from Miles real quick, cause okay. Miles. So just. If, I, I do too. Yeah, just, just first of all, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a good sport. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Seriously, yeah, he'll he'll beat me up later for what, this. What
2: kind of sport are you? <laughs> yeah.
4: One is going to put his fist in my face. <laughs> are you a willful
2: this. sporty? Yeah, so, no, no. But so you
4: you are dispensational. What is it that convinces you ultimately? What is it that you're saying? You know what? This to me is the, the clearest reading of scripture. Why? What? What hold? What, what holds you to that? And then what would it take for you to say, okay, maybe I need to work. Maybe I need to rethink this.
6: Okay. Uh, That's a good question, and I feel like um, the closest I can get to sufficiently uh, responding to it is uh, my view of Israel, and uh, I do not hold a replacement theology, and so I I believe that God's uh, promises and gifts are uh, irrevocable. Settle down, s- Uncle Gary.
4: Settle down. <laughs> <laughs> I, and,
6: and I'm not going I'm not talking about uh, them becoming a nation in 1948. Right. I'm not. I'm just talking about what we know in Scripture as far as God's, just God's covenant and yeah. promises to yeah. them. Yeah. And uh, and and I know that the argument is Romans 9, 10, and 11, and 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 such. Um, and, but but really where my view of Israel is important, I believe is in revelation chapter nine to 70 weeks of Daniel. If I could get a sufficient, uh, a satisfactory response of what you do with that final week, the 70th week that is unaccounted for in the prophetic timeline, uh, which was literal from the going forth of the building of, of Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter two, um, uh, obviously to the to the desolation in in uh seventy A D, then uh where is that final week? The on mill I think would say that um it's already happened. I uh, I uh, uh, I'm I'm kind of unfamiliar yeah um it's been a while since on miles irrelevant. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool. So so everybody here hey, like, is you, you, post is you're
1: throwing out a whole bunch of you're throwing out a whole bunch of stuff, here right? because we're anyway <laughs> I, I found I the commentary. It's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary, Exposition of the Scriptures by Dallas Seminary Faculty. This is the Old Testament. Let me read you this. This is from Isaiah chapter 13, uh, which is that, where Jesus is actually borrowing that language. Um, and the author of this, now this is a Dallas Theological Seminary professor. I think it's uh, I think it's Dwyer, I'm, I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter because he's, he's at Dallas Theological Seminary, because he doesn't know who it is. Wow. The statements in, in Isaiah 1310 about the heavenly bodies, stars, sun, moon, no longer function, they figuratively describe, listen to this, the total turnaround of the political structure of the Near East. The same would be true of the heavens trembling and the earth shaking, verse 13, figures of speech suggesting all-encompassing destruction. So this is a, this is a dispensational primal uh, dispensationalist. Now, if I had read that to a dispensationalist <clears throat> and didn't say where it came from, they would they would accuse me. Oh, you're allegorizing the Bible, and I said, Well, if I'm allegorizing, then so is the professor at Dallas Theological Seminary allegorizing. But we're not allegorizing. We're taking the. We're, this is. But the word literal <clears throat> means <clears throat> taking something according to its literature. Okay, oh, This particular literature that, that Jesus is using is descriptive of wholesale judgment upon nations. Now. You brought up the, the issue of replacement theology. Yeah, that's these, – yeah. These, these, are, these are code words. I, I I I debated debated Michael Brown over the issue of replacement Isn't theology. Isn't he post-mill, though? No, I don't know anybody who – I don't believe anybody oh, b- don't believes yeah. in replacement – nobody that I know of believes in replacement theology. Uh, my, my position, which is the biblical position, is <laughs> – uh, <'cause if> <laughs> Wow, how do you really feel, Uncle Gary? <laughs> To to the Jew first, and then the Greek. To the Jew first, then to the nations. The gospel goes to Israel. Acts chapter 2, verse 5 says there were Jews living in Israel, listen to the language, from every nation under heaven. Now, if you want to maintain that there were Jews there from China and the Americas and so forth, you would be going beyond what even the dispensationalists would say. But they were the ones who first heard the gospel. Tens of thousands of Jews, Embrace Jesus Christ as the promised Redeemer, just like Jesus had said he would. Um, there's no postponement of the, <clears throat> of the 70th week of Daniel. 70th, 70 follows 69. Uh, the first three and a half years of the 70th week of Daniel is Jesus' ministry. The next three and a half years completes the, the, the prophecy related to Israel. And then you get Peter, mm. Peter who is in Joppa. And he is in Joppa, the same place Jonah was when he refused to go to Nineveh. Hmm. And Peter is is given this this vision of a, of a sheet that comes down out of heaven with unclean animals on it. And God says, uh, uh, take, kill, and eat. And Peter said, I've never, I've never eaten any un, unclean thing. And God says, don't call unclean what I call clean. And what happens? The gospel goes to the Gentiles, goes to the nations. And what happens to those nations is that a separate people of God? No. They are grafted into an already existing Jewish church. So there is no such thing as a replacement theology. What you have here is an expansion of the covenant promises, first given to Israel, and then the, then the Israelites, and then the, uh, the, the, the nations are grafted into one new man in Christ. So this, this idea of replacement theology is something that the dispensationalists have created in order to, as, as a tagline to say, oh, they believe that the Jews don't count anymore. Look, it's the post-millennialists who believe that the Jews in the future are going to be saved. It's the dispensationalists who believe that two-thirds of the Jews during the tribulation period are going to be destroyed in what Charles Ryrie calls Israel's greatest bloodbath. You guys, the dispensationalist has to has to separate the 70th week of Daniel from the 69th week. And yet, if you look at Daniel chapter 9, it's Daniel who's reading Jeremiah, and he sees the 70 years of captivity, and he sees it coming to an end, and then he gets the prophecy of the 70 weeks of years. If there's a gap between the 69th and 70th week of years, nearly 2,000 years, why wasn't there a gap between the 69th and 70th week of the captivity? What if God had said at the end of the sixty ninth week, oh, what i 'm going to do is put this as a postponement, and you're going to still be in captivity activity for two thousand years, but we're not going i 'm not going to count it the mm. prophecy clock's not going to start back up again until the 70th year after yeah. two thousand years makes yeah. no sense I'm yeah, well, interpreting the Bible literally
2: Let me kind of wrap this up and um, uh, really sure. Uncle Gary can keep going yeah, if, you ha- if you haven't yeah.
4: noticed, you know when they make red bull, they pull it from his veins. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so just just in um, case you didn't uncle know.
2: gary will keep going uncle gary thanks for coming on we really appreciate it um it's uh, just a, a blessing to have you on
3: get last um, day's madness um yep. that's of, a great what, what, yeah. what are some of the other ones
2: uh, myth lies in half
3: truths Yeah, truth.
2: yeah I, I haven't heard. I haven't read that one. I'd like to, I think I'd like to pick that one worth, up. Worth
3: worth your time if you, if you if you care about these issues. Why the end of the world is not in your future? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, go it ahead. And get yeah. some and, and and big thanks to Miles. Miles, man, Miles man. And What a that's right. What a uh, yeah, yeah trooper. Let, me, let, let trooper. me get
2: one comment here. And we can close it out. Um, uh, I think I think it was Spurgeon who said, um, you know, if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you do? And this is, this is to the pre to the premill side of things and to the post mill side of things. Yeah. If you knew Jesus was going to come back tomorrow, what would you do? And, and Spurgeon said, well, I'd plant a tree. I'd do what God has called me to do, and I would think. And it basically, Spurgeon said, I would think long-term. Yeah. Yep. So no matter what, pre-meal or post mill Next plant, I'm, plant next, a tree. next,
4: we're going to work on Miles becoming a Presbyterian i don't baptize baby. <laughs> hey, that's child abuse. One thing at a time. <laughs> oh, this is cross politic. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast.